you had to have standards and expectations. And you just, until you're the person in charge of that, you don't think you realize the magnitude of all that. Today on the podcast, we get to speak with a coach who was cultivated in Hamilton, Ohio. He attended St. Joseph's College, where he had played for four years. He then went on to start his coaching career as an assistant at Miami of Ohio and then to Notre Dame. These successful assistant jobs helped him land his first head coaching gig at Xavier University, then leading to numerous years at Washington and for the previous 10 years being the head women's coach at The Ohio State University. He has landed multiple top recruiting classes in his stint at Ohio State and holds an overall record as a head coach at 427 wins and 199 losses. We are excited to formally introduce Coach Kevin McGuff. Dr. Dish Basketball is the number one selling shooting machine in basketball by providing the most innovative game-like training, on-demand workouts, multiplayer stat tracking, and instant analytics that allow coaches and players to be better every day. Everybody's trying to get better every day, right? Why not use Dr. Dish Basketball? All you have to do is mention the Rising Coaches podcast or you're a member of the Rising Coaches organization for an exclusive discount on your own personal Dr. Dish. Hello, everyone, again, and welcome to another episode of the Rising Coaches podcast. I'm your host, Doug Caputo, alongside your co-host here, Alan Major. And we have a big-name coach on the podcast today, the current head women's basketball coach at the Ohio State University, Coach Kevin McGuff. Coach McGuff, welcome to the Rising Coaches Podcast. How are we doing? Hey, happy to be on with you guys today. Thank you, man. Good to see you again. Um, so just to give you a quick lowdown of how things are going to work, one, we're going to talk about your your journey, you know, going starting from your assistant roles, moving up to the head coach that you are now, and then just kind of dissecting that a little bit. Then we'll talk a little bit about, because I know in previous years, um, you've had top recruiting classes. So touching a little bit on recruiting and, and just some things from there. Um, and then, of course, at the very end, we'll get into our final segment with three quick hitters and a final question we have. But sure. to kind of circle back, so you played – St. Joseph's for four years, and it led you right into a role at Miami of Ohio, um, and then into, you know, big jump too as well, both big schools, but then into Notre Dame. So those assistant roles, we'll get into the head here in a second, but those assistant roles, like how did those help prep you to become the head coach that you are? Yeah, no, I learned a lot in both jobs. At Miami, just getting started, you know, just learning the profession a little bit was great. Also had a great opportunity you know, I made some great connections on the men's side there that really proved fruitful. Uh, Herb Sendek was the head men's basketball coach. The late, great Charlie Coles, who was a, one of my first mentors, was his top assistant. And then Sean Miller and Thad Motta were the other assistants. Those guys have been not only lifelong lifelong friends, but, you know, they've, you know, like, Thad helped me get the Xavier job because he was the head coach there. Thad helped me get the Ohio State job because he was the head coach there. So, those guys were really instrumental in my career, and, and I still talk to them quite a bit and, and bounce a lot of ideas off them. So I learned a lot that first job, just learned the profession. And then I got a great break going to Notre Dame. You know, Muffet McGraw, one of the best to ever do it in women's basketball, really taught me a lot about being a head coach and, and what it takes to run a program. And, and I would say that, you know, you can learn X's and O's anywhere, but I think what separates people being um, successful as head coaches is, is how to run a program how to manage people. And Muffet did that extremely well. I had a great experience there working for her and it was just awesome. Yeah, that's one thing, Kev, we talk about on this podcast. I'm glad you said it because 
you know, one of the things we want to do, really, if there's three things we want to do on this pod is educate, inspire, and challenge, mm-hmm. you know, because you can, like you said, you know, you can get X's and O's anywhere. Yeah. But well, we really are trying to put a spotlight on the value of relationships and not just relationships for the standpoint of what's going to get, you know, is there something for me on the other side of this, as opposed to just investing in relationships for the sheer value of just just because because whatever happens on the other end is just going to organically come if you if you just kind of focus on you know building the right bonds you know as you're moving forward so i'm glad you i'm glad you touched on that with all those guys that was a motley crew of the staff there at miami of ohio my gosh it was incredible and then, i mean even the heck graduate assistants james whitford who, who was the head coach at ball state was sean Fitzer for a long time rob senderoff who's at kent state those guys were the ga so i mean Jimmy Christian followed Sean. Um, so a lot of a lot of great guys came through there at that time. Man, no, that that's great. And then I so I have to say I gave a little emphasis on the Ohio State University because I'm an Ohio guy myself. So of course you nice. know, take a little pride in that. Yeah. Uh definitely love it. Definitely love it. But kind of sticking on that as well. So you go from these assistant roles, then you stay, or I should say you uh went back to Ohio at Xavier, as you mentioned, for your first head position for nine years. Yeah. And then bounce from from there for Washington for two, and then now currently at um, Ohio State for the previous ten years, and I believe this is coming up to your eleventh season, correct? Correct, that's right. Yeah, it's so like twenty five every every other place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coaching years are dog years in, in reverse. Dog years at Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So I'm sure all those head positions, you know, played a pivotal role in your growth um, as moving up, but. Was there anything specific? I mean, I guess starting with Xavier, then going to Ohio State and Ohio, or excuse me, Washington, then Ohio State. Anything you feel you learned at each stop to help you grow at your role currently? You know, first of all, I'll start with there's there's two things in my life that I would tell you that you don't really know what you're getting into until you do it. One is you go from assistant coach to head coach. And I, like I said, I worked for the, the best mentor I ever could in, in Muffet McGraw. I mean, she was great. She gave me a lot of responsibility like she does. She, she, she really is meticulous in who she hires. And then she, she gives them clear direction and lets them do their job. So it's a great, great place to learn. And she's a great mentor. Um, so I think I had as good a training as you could possibly get. But you really don't know what you're getting yourself into until you move over to that big chair. The other one was, you know, um, I before I got married and had kids, I was an uncle. And so I thought I knew what that would be like to be a father. And you don't know you don't know what it is until you have your own children. It's just those are the two big things in my life that until you do it, you just don't really know what you're getting yourself into. So it was a really big adjustment. And I think what I would tell you is that when I got the Xavier job, I felt like I was really good at player development. I thought I was good at recruiting. I thought I was good at like scouting and, and, you know, preparing the team for games, but what, what really ties the ties it all together. And so I think that was the biggest thing I had to learn is that you had to have a philosophy for how you run your program. You had to have an identity for your team and how you're going to play. You had to have standards and expectations. And you just, until you're the person in charge of that, you don't think you realize the magnitude of all that. So that's probably where I've had the biggest growth when I became a head coach. I would say I learned a little bit at each spot. I think now what I focus on a lot more now than I ever did is just leading myself and managing myself. What are my core values? Because what happens is, you know, when you don't really have clear core values, 
And then you have things coming at you every single day as the head coach, and you got to make decisions on, oh, this person was late or that person made this mistake or whatever it is. Then you're just kind of like flying around making decisions, and it's not consistent. Skeet shooting. Yeah, right. Yeah. But the, the better job you do is, is kind of managing yourself and developing core values of who you are. What you're basically doing is preloading how you're going to react to these situations. I do a way better job now because I put way more time into really examining who I am and what's important to me. And so I, I make better decisions. I make them faster. Yeah. Hey, Kev, do you mind sharing those? I mean, I don't, you don't have to give up all your goods, but you know, yeah. what, what, what if, and I know these didn't, you know, they kind of morph themselves as you move forward. Right. But they're probably more clear now than they've ever been. Well, I'll start with like what I want our program to be and, and who I, who I want Ohio State women's basketball to be is I want us to be the, the very best in, in women's basketball at, at helping the young people in our program develop as students, uh, as players, and as young women. And so when I hire people and, and when we put together what we do on a daily basis, it's with that aim. And so that that's kind of who we are. And I know that's kind of simplistic, but that's what we're about. And so everything we do is, is to help them develop, because if we dev if we recruit the right people um, and we help each person reach her potential on and off the court and who they're trying to be, then we're going to what we're doing on the court is going to take care of itself. And, you know, I want to help these young women be successful in life. That's that's the most important thing to me. And so and we got a great platform at Ohio State to do it. We got a lot of resources and. And so um, just leveraging those resources and, and, and having the structure in place to, to help carry out that mission is who we, we kind of are here. Let me ask you this, because Xavier and Ohio State can't be more different. Yeah, right. Like it, when, when we were at Xavier and Thad got the Ohio State job, I'm like, we just went from mom and pop store to Walmart. Yeah. You know, in terms right. of like the, <laughs> the size of, yeah. of what's going on. So what did you – was there anything you tried to – bring with you in terms of bringing your own luggage from both places from Xavier to Ohio state or, and how did you adjust from mom and pop store to, to, you know, mass supermarket? It is significantly different. hundred percent. I mean, you're dealing, you get a lesson on Ohio state ethics laws, the whole, you know, like you're, you're a state employee now um, at Xavier is like, Hey, you could, whatever, you know, you can turn in receipt. They're going to figure out a way to get it paid, you know, is going to get scrutinized by Ohio State is going to get scrutinized by 10 lawyers to the penny. It's so it is it is completely, completely different. I think that the biggest thing at Ohio State in and I think this is sort of what you're getting at is just navigating this bureaucracy, because this is a this is a four four billion dollar a year. Basically, operation, Ohio State. So there's a lot to it. But I think one of the keys is is figuring out because but there's a but what comes with that, though, is an amazing opportunity with amazing resources. And so figuring out the best way to tap into all those resources and get that behind your program is one of the biggest things. And and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I struggled a little bit with that early on. I just didn't didn't get how this whole thing worked. Um, and it's, you know, in, in basketball. In, coaching you know how it is you get the job and it's you're it's a rat race you know for the first year like you don't even come up for air and so it took me a while just like you know just to make sure we could because rad is awesome like i've never asked gene smith for 
one thing that was going to help our student athletes on or off the court that he hasn't said yes to. And so it's just, but at the same time, he wants to, to see a, a plan of, Hey, how is that going to help? And what are you going to do with this, this money or this, this stuff? And so just kind of getting a feel for all that was, was one of the big adjustments, but I think we've done a good job with that in, in my later years. And it's been very helpful. No, that's great. And then especially at all these roles, you know, um, coaching against these, these teams, these other coaches, um, was there any team in particular throughout your your career? We'll say as a head coach primarily, but if you have any in general, was there any team that like obviously everybody hates you when you're good, right? Um, was there any team that you really hated but enjoyed playing against because they made you as a coach better? You know, when I was at Xavier, um, George Washington was really good. Joe McEwen, who's the head coach at Northwestern now, and he had he's got this funky zone that he plays. And that that really yeah the buzz buzz defense uh, yeah yeah it really challenged me um, just to get better at zone offense and playing against him and back then the A ten was really good Don Staley was at Temple and she had great teams and they were different they played just really tough rugged man to man so th- those two coaches and teams really challenged me early in my career you know now being in the Big Ten it's just real we've got great coaches it's it's a really deep conference. You know, I think right now I was really hard to play against. One, Lisa Bluter does a great job. They coach great offense. But also they've got, you know, a generational player in Caitlin Clark. I mean, she's as tough to game plan for as, as anybody yeah. I've ever coached against. So, you know, the, those those teams really stand out in my mind of, of really challenging matchups. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. And then I'd like to flip the script a little bit. Talk a little bit on the recruiting side of things. And it's obvious, you know, you've landed some amazing recruiting classes in your coaching career. Um, numerous, I believe 2013 was one of them. 2018 was one of them, like numerous yeah. top in the nation recruiting classes. So um, like when it comes to these, let's, let's just start with like when you're on the recruiting trail, obviously those big end names, they, they pop up, you know, social media, they're all over the place. You got all these apps, all these different ways to find recruits, but Sure. Say when you're on a recruiting trail and you find a prospect maybe that you didn't end up or initially think of, what are some steps that you take in order to to land this prospect? And obviously, yeah, we don't want you to go too into details um, and giving away any secrets, but. You know, we've um, we've done well. I, I'll start with like, it's interesting. I think one, we've done a better job in recent years of putting together good teams and not necessarily just the best recruits. And it starts with, we have a specific style of play where we play you know, offensively. We're one of the faster teams in the country. So people that can play in that system, we press on defense. So people that can be successful in that we've kind of morphed into a lot of five out stuff on offense. And so we've been looking for post players. Like our last couple starting centers have all been from Europe. You know, not that we can't get them in the States, but they just develop post players differently in Europe. So we've gotten most of our, most of our perimeter players from the States and our post players from Europe. And so we've, we've kind of been specific in that, that space. And I guess we've really done a, done a great job of getting high character kids of late. Now I'll, I'll give you one example. We just went to the elite eight this past year. We didn't have one McDonald's all American on our team. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I think we've done a great job identifying kids that really fit our way of doing things, our culture, 
and mm-hmm. so forth. And we've been a lot more selective in that space and, and, and passed on some kids we just didn't think fit, but they were good players. And so, so we, I think we've made better decisions of who we've recruited of late. And I think that's been really impactful for us taking some positive steps with the program. Those kids can be melatonin. They help you sleep a little better too sometimes. That's right. And, and like I said, I, I was, and Alan, you know me all back to Xavier. I, I took a lot of chances on kids there. And, and, and some of them worked out and they were great. And some of them didn't. I got the scars to prove it. And so I just <laughs> right. think, you know, I'm right. doing a little bit better. And, we, and, you know, we're doing a little better job in that space now. And then, I mean, do you guys use social media much? I'm not even necessarily your personal page, but then also, like, do you guys use social media much when it comes to, to the recruiting process? You know, a little bit in the vetting process, you know, just if, if people, you know, are, are tweeting or putting stuff on Instagram that we don't think it puts them in a light that might not be a good fit, we will, we will use yeah. that for sure. Yeah, of course typically recruit who we see and we do use scouting services of course in, in our contacts with AAU coaches and stuff, stuff like that. Hey Kev I'm gonna double back for a second did you was there a point along your journey and I, I like to ask head coaches this because a lot of people listen to this pod at all levels from youth all the way up to pros but and everybody's got their own journey goals and things of that nature was there a point where you kind of Obviously, you throw yourself in early on. You're just coaching. You don't really care. Like, you're just like, hey, I'm doing what I enjoy. Was there a point where you said, wow, I think I can be a head coach doing this? You know, was there, or was there a season or was there a period or was there a, a certain, you know what I mean? Was there a shift there somewhere where you're like, okay, I, I think I can do this eventually as a head coach? Yeah, you know, I think um... – when I was at Notre Dame, when I first got there, I was just really happy to be there. And it was a, it was a high level and a great opportunity for me. Um, you know, we won a national championship in 2001. And then I think that was the year I kind of said, not that like, hey, okay, I, I came here, we accomplished something great. Um, but it was sort of like, hey, sort of, I guess maybe it was that. I, we, we accomplished it. We won a national championship. I was able to be a part of that. And so then I think it, it shifted to, because as you guys know, it, it's it's a, part of it is being ready to be a head coach and, and having a plan, but also part of it is making a good decision on the job you take. Yeah, no doubt. I've, I've seen a lot of I've seen a lot of no good, good coaches take bad jobs, and it's and it doesn't doesn't work out. And so, um, so and I've been fortunate, and I, I fortunate and probably smart. I've took I've taken three good jobs. Xavier's a great job. Washington's a good job and Ohio State's a great job. So they all those places, they care about women's basketball. They support it. And so um, I had other opportunities at Notre Dame that I didn't take. And Xavier was great. I, I grew up just outside Cincinnati, and, and I have a lot of good contacts in the area. And, and at the time, they had a great athletic director, Mike Rabinsky, who uh, was a great fit for me. You know, Thad was there. He could, you know, really help me get started and the staff. And so, and then Washington was kind of a, to me, it had been good then got bad. It was a little bit sleepy. And then Ohio State, obviously, it's got a lot of potential. So I I think when we won a national championship, I started looking. I stayed one more year because the right fit didn't come up. And then when Xavier opened, that was the right one for me. And, I mean, just out of curiosity, you know, I, I feel like, and I love asking this, um, like one thing that coaches usually throughout their years, they may be fine. They obviously that you take little bits and pieces from other coaches, you learn from other people and so on. But like, is there anything that you have specifically that like 
that you like to do that you think is unique or maybe like quirky that other coaches might like, ah, that's not necessarily me, but you think it's like sentimental for you. You know, we, we press and, and going back to when I got the Washington job, we, we had like one post player in the program and she tore ACL in the summer. And so, so I was like, <laughs> well, like what are we gonna what are we gonna do here? And so, so I got a hold of Vance Wahlberg. I got his number and I texted him. And and really, I I texted him and I, I wanted to find out if he was doing like a clinic or something on the West Coast I could go see because I thought, hey, we we got we got some decent guards. We can run the dribble drive. And so I texted him and he called me and we talked for like an hour. I mean, Vance, if you ever talked to Vance, he he just loves basketball. He loves to talk about it. He loves to share. And so we started running the dribble drive at Washington and, and it was good for us. And and he, over the years, you know, we became friends and he kept telling me like, Hey, I, I'm telling you, you should look at our press. You should look at our press. And I was just always a man to man guy. And like, and we were, and we were good in the half court. And I was just like, ah, nah, nah, nah. And then I got to Ohio state. We had a really athletic team and we had kind of a deep team. So I tried it and I, and I really liked it. And, you know, not a lot of people in women's basketball do it. And so I think that's a little bit specific to us. I had a lot of people talking yeah. about it summer i think you'll see more people do it we had a lot of success with it last year like a lot and so i think that's one thing that we've kind of carved out a niche year and, and it's a little bit unique to us that you know and i like it and I, and I think we'll continue to do it yeah good stuff no it shows you got great length too so that, yeah that never, that never hurts yeah. it doesn't hurt to have height no not at all yeah no <laughs> And then um, I just kind of wanted to touch one more. Sorry to kind of bounce back and forth, but no, touch good. one more on like the recruiting process, because uh, like I said, you, you've had such a tremendous and, and there's more than enough um, information out there already, but like you've had a tremendous job recruiting. So that's kind of one way, one reason I wanted to really kind of touch on this is, but when you're, when you're recruiting a kid, cause we also, as you primarily know, rising coaches, we're trying to reach out to coaches, connect with coaches. But then there's also yeah. high school kids, college kids, and all of that. So, like, when when you're on the recruiting trail, like, what's a number one standout for a kid? It's easy to see if a kid has the talent. Um, right. But, you know, like, going back to we've done a better job. We're watching, are they coachable? How are they, how are they interacting with their teammates? Trying to get to some of the intangible type stuff. And like I said, I, I didn't do as good a job of that early in my career as I do now. And it just, it just, it's important. And and I think it can really be a problem. You, you know, it's, it's like, and you guys have probably heard this. It's like, you know, you can survive not getting a kid. It, it's a lot harder to survive getting the wrong kids, you know? And, and so we're, we're really, we're really watching the intangibles more than we ever have, but just coachability, how they interact with their teammates, those are two really, really big things that we're paying attention to. Yeah. And, and at a place like Ohio State, a kid, you you know, you're with them 20, you know, three hours a day. The other 21 hours that you don't see them, you really got to know what you're getting in terms of like uh, from an ownership perspective and just how they handle their day to day. And, you know, yeah. uh, you, you got to jump in the car to go anywhere on campus. You don't just pop up and walk across campus like walk you did at Xavier. No. <laughs> you know, like, so no. you, you no. got to know, you got to really have great trust that they can handle the 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 everydayness. Yeah, well, as you know, Alan, too, like at Xavier, if something went wrong academically, there was one person and she fixed it. Yeah. So she made it, she made it right. No doubt Ohio about it. State, Ohio State, if something goes wrong, I'm on an email chain with about 20 people that all have an opinion and it's, it's just like, uh, it's a different animal. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a way different animal. 
and then now i mean modern day everything is coming down to like the the transfer portal and now i did you feel i mean is that a good thing a bad thing do you use it to your advantage like yeah i mean it's it is it's a thing it is what it is i i, I really yeah. believe that kids should have a, a one-time opportunity to leave sometimes it doesn't work out and they should be eligible i have no problem with that i mean yeah. even when kids leave here uh you know i had one kid leave this year who um it was her second transfer, and I, I try to support her getting eligible. I think I hope she does. I don't think she's heard yet, but I really hope she does, because um, um, she's a good kid. And it's just like we just just wasn't going to work here this year. So, um, but I, I hope the core of our team will continue to be high school kids, just because I I believe in how we do things and the development within our system. I just think we're going to do way better with three and four year kids. But we will, but we, you know, at the same time, we've had some really good transfers. I mean, we had Taylor Mikesell who transferred from, went from Maryland to Oregon here. And she was, she played a huge role in our team and she's a great kid and loved, loved coaching her for the last two years. And then we, you know, we got Celeste Taylor this year, came from Duke, who's a great player. She's really fitting in. Uh, we got Tyre Parks came from Michigan State. So we, we, we got some, and Kennedy Cambridge came from Kentucky. So we had three transfers this year that I think are going to be good players for us. Uh, really good. And so I, so I, I think high school players will be the core of our team, but we'll supplement and fill in some areas where we need to with transfers. Yeah. You're not going to turn down transfers like that, especially big, you know, big, uh, big other coming from other big schools and coming in and taking an immediate effect on the, on the program. But then I guess like my last question for this, and then we'll get to our final segment here was, so primarily like when these recruits come in these high school kids and then also these transfers the big thing is you know making sure everybody collides well and and or i should say gets along and getting a good environment with the team how do you maintain all these people when it comes to like keeping level heads and you know one student may be coming from as you mentioned from a big school granted ohio state is is just as big but um people coming from other schools like how do you how do you keep all of them together and, and focused on that one long-term goal. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's gotta be a quick process. I think you gotta have good leadership within your program. Like, like, and we have that right now, you know, JC Sheldon's been here and she's in her fifth year. Madison Green's in her fifth year. Ricky Harrison, fifth year. Rebecca is in her fifth year. Michelle Akakova. So we have good leadership. So I think they've really made the process kind of smooth and like, Hey, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And, and so we haven't had much issue with that. And so, but I think if you don't have the right leaders, then it's going to take a lot more management on the coaching staff part. And, and, you know, obviously our profession's changed a lot, Kev. And, you know, this is, how many years is this now for you total? Being an assistant included? It's 20s in the tw early, low 29 20s? 29 maybe? 20 yeah. So you're, I mean, 30? that's, yeah. Uh, all, run, all, all run together. <laughs> that's, that's, it's, um. let's see, head coach, it's nine. It's start my 21st years. This is my start my 30th year total. 30th year total. Yeah. Yeah. So what and before Doug gets his last piece, like what what personally keeps you still motivated? You know, or what what are what are you, you know, is there still things, you know, I, I like to use this phrase, are there still chuck holes you're trying to fill that keep you getting better, right? Because otherwise people can kind of be like, oh, I've done this a long time and I yeah. kind of get I got it. And, you know, don't tell me anything, you know, or what, what are you doing to kind of keep yourself fresh and, you know, kind of keep your journey spirited? Yeah. I, I still really enjoy going to practice. I like to teach and I like to form teams 
and I like the strategy of the game. Those things really drive me. I, I really like that. And then I like being around the kids, you know, the, once again, the better we've done at getting great kids, I think like, you know, at, at times over the course of my career, I'd say, I don't want to do this for a long time. Right. Those were the years <laughs> I don't think we had the right kids. <laughs> right. But right, right now, I, I like our team. I, I, I like every single kid on our team. And um, and I, I like I said, I'll be just transparent. I haven't said that all the time, you know. So, But I, I think as long as we can continue to get the right kids in the program, I'll, I'll stay energized and ready. All right. And then what we'll do is we will cut to our final segment. We'd like to ask three quick hitters. Um, yep. Basically, they're just ways for all the listeners to be able to kind of get more of a download of who you are just as a person. Uh, and then yeah. at the very end, we have one final question that we like to ask everybody, and then we'll do our closing remarks and go on from there. Um, but cool. short, quick responses and and answer what you got. So number one, for the quick hitters, do you have a pregame go-to meal? I really don't. I, I, don't, um, I don't eat meat, uh, so I'm pescatarian. So it's usually something involving salmon because that's usually what the – the Ooh. fish that hotels have. Ooh. So I'll Love do it. some type of salmon or I'll, I'll throw salmon on a salad or something like that. Oof. All right. Perfect. Love that. Favorite TV show? Currently. So, sometimes those things shift around depending yeah, on. Yeah. Right yeah. Now it's oh, billions. Yeah. oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. That's a good one. Real good. I haven't watched I got, it yet, but uh, that's on the docket. Great. Yeah. This is the last yeah. season, last season going right now. So I got, I got to get yeah. caught up myself. Really good. Yeah. Okay. Axe is back. Axe is back. <laughs> and then to round it up, an accomplishment that you consider to be the most significant in your career, playing, coaching, whatever. Um, I, I would say, you know, winning the national championship as an assistant coach. And then, you know, in, in a second, like taking Xavier to the Elite Eight, which is, is hard to do at a school like that. Oh, man. Yeah. 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 Sure. Perfect. And then the final question we have. So, as you know, we are a platform to be able to reach out to coaches, uh, be able to connect with them help them rise in the industry. But number one, if you had one, I know there's a ton you can go through, but the best top piece of advice for young rising coaches who are trying to get their foot in the door and how can they accomplish that? I think when I was coming up, the, the big thing was going and working camps because camps were so prevalent. Um, I think that's harder now because people just don't, don't college and universities don't do it a whole lot. So I, I think now what I would do, I would get involved with a great AAU organization and, and I would help that organization grow by getting good players. And that's going to connect you with a lot of coaches. That's perfect. That is definitely perfect, especially for all the, you know, the younger coaches listening that will tune in for this. Um, but does Coach McGuff, you, Alan, anybody have anything else to wrap up or to add before we get to our closing remarks here? No, I just want to say, Kev, man, been a thrill watching you do what you do. I'm not the least bit shocked or surprised. Um, always enjoyed working with you and back at, at Xavier and and uh, just keep crushing it, brother. Uh, I think this team has got something special. I know you got a sniff of it last year and you got really close, but um, you know, you, you got quite a crew put together. So uh, I, uh, but it's been a blast, man. And thank you for doing this. Great to see you again. Oh, great to see you, Alan. Obviously, you know, I love working with you, being around you, and respect all that you've done in the game, and uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Of course. Of course. Thank you, Coach. And that is it for us today with Rising Coaches. Again, thank you, Coach Kevin McGuff, for hopping on the call today, sharing your experiences with us. I uh, also want to thank our wonderful listeners for tuning in, and that does it again for another episode of Rising Coaches. I'm your host, Doug Caputo, alongside Alan Major here, and uh, keep working, keep rising, Coaches. Thank you. 
Video analysis is expensive, and I'm sure your budget isn't getting much bigger. Fulcrum Tech is here to help. Used by basketball teams at all levels from D1, D2, D3, all the way to high school. Their Angles product is similar to what you know and allows you to code, capture, and analyze with ease. All you have to do is import the raw video and synergy with just the click of a mouse. Over the past two years, over 60% of their D1 teams and conferences, such as the SEC, Pac-12, American, A-10, or even the NBC, just to name a few, have made the postseason. All this while saving thousands and thousands of dollars a year compared to their old companies. Because let's be honest, who doesn't want to save more money? All you have to do is reach out to at Fulcrum Tech on Twitter or reach out to their sales at sales at fulcrumtech.com via email. And be sure to mention if you are a Rising Coaches member or the Rising Coaches podcast. Do more, spend less with Fulcrum Tech. I want to thank all our listeners for tuning in with us this episode. If you are not a member, want more content, or even be a potential member on our member spotlight to have your story heard, go visit risingcoaches.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X at Rising Coaches. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and review so we can continue to keep rising together.